Hello, I'm Dr. Amalia Gondas Malka. Welcome to Womanity Woman in Unity, the show that celebrates women's milestone achievements in their struggle for liberation, self emancipation, human rights, democracy, and much more. Joining us today is Dr. Nom Kerbo Ntombeni, who heads up the Department of Chemical Engineering in the Faculty of Engineering and the Built Environment at the Durban University of Technology. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Dr. Amelia, and thank you for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. What I particularly like is this is almost an extension of a series that we were running on engineering. And we haven't had a chemical engineer on the show yet. So we really appreciate hosting you. Thank you so much. And uh, hopefully I can share some light on our side of chemical engineering. It sounds so interesting. So with that said, let's uh, kick off with the show. Can you briefly explain to us what chemical engineering is and its importance in various industries? Um, so essentially, chemical engineering is really about production and manufacturing of uh, products through chemical processes. So this involves designing of equipment systems and processes for refining of raw materials and for mixing, compounding and processes of chemicals. And um, this is uh, translated through um, processes that were developed in the lab into practical applications for commercial production of these products, and then to work and maintain and improve those processes for the production, for example, for chemicals, for fuels, foods, pharmaceuticals, water, just to name a few. Um, And also chemical engineers are often concerned with maximizing productivity, the quality of the products while minimizing the the costs. Um, Some of the task that they are involved in is just to ensure compliance with health and safety regulations and environmental regulations, conducting research into improving the manufacturing processes, designing and planning of the equipment layout, uh, as I've mentioned, incorporating safety procedures and monitoring how we can optimize the, 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 the processes in terms of increasing productivity and estimating the cost. It sounds as though the field is incredibly diverse and involved in so many different sectors. You were talking about food, water, pharmaceuticals, and not just in terms of producing the product, but in how we can make those processes and systems a lot more efficient. Can you tell us about some of the key impact targets that you have for your department? All right, so our key targets for the departments are aligned to that of the Twin Vision 2030, which really talks about the statement intent, which is our people. So meaning that from our first student to our PhD uh, level, our staff members who are emerging researchers to our senior academics, technical staff members and administrative, and how we essentially put our people in being more entrepreneurial, innovative, creative, adaptive, while we are participating productively in developing our region. 
So in essence, that also means our key targets are working on our curriculum by creating um, qualifications that allows our students to be active participants in this vision. And, and that will enable them to directly work on societal challenges within the communities that they live in and that they came from. And I think this is quite important because engineers by nature are problem solvers in there. And if you look at South Africa with the different landscape that we in, there are some uh, places which are much more rural, some much more metropolitan in the cities, but then we have various challenges that I believe that um, engineering students, particularly chemical engineering students, could be able to actively participate in solving those 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 uh, challenges. That means how we work with our societies within the communities, for example, how we look at the challenges of water, our infrastructures, various challenges that we have right now in terms of energy. And one of um, the key impact that we are uh, looking at is also in terms of the industry and university collaboration research that uh, we are looking at in terms of providing uh, countless opportunities that we believe will be um, for both the industry and also researchers. And, and this will also benefit in terms of the exposure that our students have and also in terms of, of our um, academics. So, so it is the type of research that talks to um, societal and industrial applications um, while being engaged really in terms of what's going on around our communities and also the type of challenges and projects that our students need to be involved in in terms of ensuring that they become active participants in this vision. So, so, so that I think talks to what we are really trying to focus on as key um, focus within the department. I particularly liked the point that you were talking about on the people focus, where you are trying to foster this view of entrepreneurship, of creativity, of adaption, and build that into their, their problem-solving skills to solution for social concerns. And you also mentioned aspects of water, infrastructure, and energy. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the key research areas or, or projects that you've personally been involved with? Personally, I've worked in um, water-related um, projects, and I think this is quite important because of what we are observing. And I think um, this is a challenge that has been is no it, it's it's been coming but i've been involved in water treatment um project particularly one of the project i worked on was in terms of um designing of uh, water disinfection um treatment prototypes and and that targets um the treatment of pathological um contaminants uh, within drinking water and I think with um, what has happened in terms of um, Hammond's growl, um, this, this becomes a very important aspect of what we need to really be engaged in. 
another project that I um, I, um, I was particularly working on is in terms of treatment of um, heavy metals contamination that comes from, uh, you know, South Africa has a lot of mining activities and metallurgical industries and in turn, and that also tends to impact on, on our outer bodies and looking at some of the um, technologies that we can then provide solutions for these problems that we have. Currently also, uh, we are looking at um, developing a, a sensor in the, the, the water to be able to send some of this emerging contaminants. As, as you are aware that, um, you know, when most of, of the water treatment plants were built, some of the contaminants that we currently have now in our water bodies were not designed for that. So we are looking at that particular research to see how can now we develop sensors that we able to detect some of these contaminants that come from, you know, personal care products, um, our use of, of uh, different uh, medication that we currently use that end up in our water bodies and, and many more. And, and another one is in terms of how we can utilize wastewater sludges for a creation of energy. And I think this is one of uh, the projects that look at circular economy in terms of this is supposed to be waste, but how can we then utilize this waste to then produce um, energy? Um, as well as looking at using solar, creating a fluid that um, will use our natural given um, sunshine, which how then we do utilize that to be able to use that in a pumping system to be able to pump water into a particularly this should be used for communities that generally don't have piped water, but that what we want to design prototypes for. Um, that might not have a supply of, of power. So these are some of the projects that um, I'm particularly been engaged in and been involved in. They are all massive impact projects. And it also demonstrates the importance of this linkage between academic research being in line with industry and environmental requirements. What advice would you give to an aspiring chemical engineer who, who may be considering a career in this space? I think from, for, from the younger self, um, I think if one would have said, be confident. I think we are in a space where you are able to solve so many problems, but also be not be afraid of, being an innovator or a disruptor. And I think we shouldn't, as a chemical engineering first year or aspiring one, don't wait until you are at your PhD level to think you can make a difference. And I think um, you can make a difference even as a first year student. Um, and I think that's quite important. You are coming in already, you have your own unique way of thinking. Be confident enough to say what you are bringing can also make a huge difference. Don't wait. Just go for it and become that disruptor of, of um, the industry. I think in South Africa, with 
unemployment and so many issues we have, we really need young people who are much more confident, um, who don't wait until they they feel like, no, I, I need to be a professor or I need to be in an industry to make a difference. That's a really useful piece of advice. And from a gender let's say, distribution point of view, what would you say the, the typical ratio is of female chemical engineers to, to male chemical engineers? Um, interestingly enough, I think when you look in terms of, and I think because I'm in that space of education, you'll find that you have more female students in classes. You have more female graduates. However, then we see the difference in terms of those that are now active after graduation, where I think we need to be really concerned to say, where are the women? Uh, For myself, I'm always concerned where I get into a space and I'm still considered to be the first or the only when I know that there were many of us uh, that graduated, and I think um, testament to that, we, we still see. So so for me, I think when we talk about the percentages, we really need to look through the whole spectrum to say, yes, there might be students in classes, they might be graduates, but where are the women in terms of them being participants, in terms of them being in the space as engineering technologists, as engineers as leaders in 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 those industries um so so for me i think there's very little percentage after graduation of women who are very active participants what do you think is happening to that pipeline of of talent why is it leaking i think it's it's a conversation that we need to be honest is is the environment enabling for for women um in most spaces or could it be that women are opting to go to other spaces that might seem like they are much more, um, I, I don't want to say softer, uh, but, but also in terms of um, looking at, at various challenges that we as women, particularly um, looking at our own journeys, myself as, as a woman in, in, in chemical engineering, to say, has the environment been adaptive? If, if we look at how uh, COVID came and disrupted the whole industry, we, there's a talk of flexibility in environments, there's a talk in terms of so many other things that technology brings. But I think the aspect of really unpacking what challenges um, that women have is not the conversation that we have in relevant spaces. We might be having these conversations in corridors while we're passing to say, for example, women are the primary caregivers in most of their families. And in times you often have to try and have a a balance of of this and, and say, how do we balance and, and more often women play much more of a much more supporting role than in terms of them being leaders. And, and I think maybe that's where the drain comes in where you 
they might participate in some way, but they are not as visible as they should be because I think there are more women graduating, but we just don't see them. Where are they? That's a really important point. And if you think about the investment that one undertakes to put that effort into a career, you're listening to Womanity, Woman in Unity. And today we're talking to Dr. Nomkebo Mtombeni, who heads up the Department of Chemical Engineering in the Faculty of Engineering and the Built Environment at the Durban University of Technology. We would love to receive your comments on Twitter at Womanity Talk. Can you tell us what triggered your interest to pursue chemical engineering? Um, I think for me, you know, growing up in a rural area and, and, you know, when you're doing well in medicine and physics and you're being told, you're very good at, at uh, physics and math, maybe you should consider a career in engineering. And I thought, hmm. I always thought I wanted to be a scientist and I didn't even know what that meant at the time as I was growing up. But I think the more I researched and I found out that chemical engineering could be so diverse and in terms of the contribution that, that one can make. So I think that what really you know, inspired and spiked my interest in following this path of chemical engineering. Often engineering is kind of regarded as a male-dominated discipline. So even though you were very strong in your maths and your, your physics, you had the right support to keep you on the, on track. Um, I, I think one has to be really stubborn about their choices once they've made. I think they, there has been that talk that, you know, this is might not be for you, you know, you're going to be wearing safety boots all the time. You know, you're going to be working a, a firm, you know, and you do get that, that discouragement. But I think um, after my mom's passing, my dad became, you know, a pillar of support. And for him, with the, within the environment that we grew up in, there was never any discrimination. I had a brother and everything was just the same. So for him, I've never had that from him. So with that type of the male figure that encourages you and doesn't seem to have these voices that you hear from other people, I, I think that's what really kept me on course. And I think this is why it's important for, for young women, for girls to have the, the voices that they hear um, I would share a particular story while we were doing, and um, I was still with um, the previous university where we we had this um, program of encouraging young girls to be involved in, in the STEM um, uh, fields, and that involved doing research um, with the high school, and she was in grade eight at the time, and she, she was like, I, I don't know if I want to do this thing because, you know, Boys are smarter than girls. Uh, we, we really don't want to do this. And then you could see that's not her voice talking, but it was a voice of, of what she's been hearing. And I think as we, we worked with her and she could see that, but these are women that are engineers. These are women that are doing well. And, and she got to see as they were participating in this particular program that there were other girls and they start to build up their confidence. 
uh, fast forward to 2022, she was matriculating and, and she got seven distinctions. And then that for me was the impact of allowing women and, and them seeing role models and, and the voices, yes, they might still be there, but once they could be someone who keep them on track, I think uh, they're able to fly very high. That's an incredible story. And it goes back to the point you made earlier about building confidence and this issue of having the right type of socialization. So thinking about your household where there was no gender discrimination, uh, girls and boys can do things equally. You you didn't have the wrong types of voices in your head. And, and we believe those voices because that's what we're accustomed to. That's the, the, the kind of the guardians and the adults that formulate our thinking. But we do need to hear other voices which are not limiting. Yeah, I think it's very important that as parents, as caregivers, ourselves, particularly to young women, not only teaching our women, the young women, but also teaching the young men that are growing up with them in terms of how they should be cognizant of the words and the voices that we are putting on, on, on young women. And I think it's quite important because, you know, for example, you'd be told you are just too bossy for a girl, you know, you, you're aggressive, while for a boy it will be seen as, you know, you have leadership qualities, you know, when you are aggressive, you are being assertive. So I think those are the things that we need to 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 really ensure that how we raise them is different. But I particularly don't think we can do this on our own as women. If you look at my own journey, it's because if you are going into a space where it's male-dominated, you need to have men who are intentional about wanting to see women in the spaces who are opening doors, who are holding you by the hand because there will be challenges that you are facing. You know, as much as you might have had a better upbringing, but along the way you will hear those voices that make you not to want. But I think we need to really collaborate with um, our um, male counterparts to ensure that uh, we are intentional about the development of women. We are intentional about how we mentor them into the spaces. As I've mentioned before, in this day and age, it's still very disheartening to go into a space and still find that I'm the first and the only. And I think for me also that means there's a challenge, a much greater challenge to say how do I ensure that that doesn't become a thing that is still um, talked about, but it becomes a norm to, to for us to have much more women who are in leadership, more women, particularly in my own environment, who are professors, um, women who are leaders in their uh, chosen space of speciality or research areas that they, they might be looking at. And, and I think we are inspired by uh, women who are leading in 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 in, in the spaces. Um, if you think about our our um, the VCs that we now have and the faces that we see that are changing, uh, through all the difficulties and things that they face, and 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 the, how intentional they are in terms of of ensuring that they are opening spaces for other women. 
But I think we need more men who would ensure that they open more doors for us and, and are very cognizant of the bias that are there between different genders that might be limiting for women. Yes, you're 100% right in everything that you've said. I want to tap into women in leadership because, well, one, having the, the representation of women in leadership roles, that demonstrates possibilities. There's that, that visual reference where people can see it. I can see it. I can believe it. I can do it. But how do we get more women into leadership roles or develop them? Um, like I mentioned before, I think we really have to be intentional and um, we really need to ensure that the programs that we have are not just tick boxes for us to say, yes, we are doing this. And, and I think with having an intention to say women have different needs and, and we have to be honest about these things, um, particularly for women that might be at the childbearing age, women that might have children, women that might have, how do we create supporting structures around them or even ensure that there's mentorship to say, this is how you can particularly ensure that some of these challenges that you have, that you might be thinking that are limiting to yourself uh, are not um, limiting because there are programs out there, but we're still not seeing enough of women. Um, so, so for me, I think we really have to be intentional and really say, this is what we want to do. That is really how we're going to get more women. And, and we have to understand the impact of mentorship, how mm -hmm. important and critical it is. I don't think it's just only for women. As in individuals at every different stage of our lives, we get to be mentors and we also get to mentor others. And I think as we do both, we then get to develop. Um, but I think if we are really, really intentional and say, for myself, I want to see in the department having, because at the moment I, I really have a very a young department, if I may say so, where there are much more junior staff members. But the intention is to ensure that I see much more women actively participating and becoming professors. But that means I have to really be intentional to ensure that in terms of their development, um, there are these programs that will ensure that they are fast-tracked to that level and give them the necessary support. True. And it sounds as though you've almost got this uh, a career program so that people know what they have to do in order to advance. So having that kind of ladder of progression and coupled with the support, it makes these hurdles achievable so that people can accomplish their goals. Yes, I think so. I was thinking about, you know, how often uh, leadership roles, roles in terms of how far you can go as an innovator and other things, often for women, it happens to us. It happens because somebody said, I, I see you going there versus the mindset in men where they intentionally plan to say in the next five years, that's where I'm going. So I think we need to really shift our mindset. And, and it's not an easy thing because 
as society, you know, um, girls are taught to, you are much more of a cheerleader, you are a supporter. But I think in terms of how we really plan in these conversations that we have with, with people that we might be mentoring, people that we are managing or leading in spaces to say, have a plan. If that's where you want to go, have a plan. Don't let it just happen because most of the time it just happens to us and then you know you are guided through the process. But I think we need to use the same approach that men use where they are planning that that's where I'm going. Um, but I think the space is changing um, slowly, though based on, on what we want to achieve um, and I think looking at, at, the, at the goals in terms of where we want to see women being in terms of education, in terms of them being equal participant in, in the labor force, equal pay and all those things. Um, I think now the time for us to just have them as conversations has passed. We really, really need to ensure that um, the environment is enabling first and that our male counterparts are there to assist and open doors. We as women who are there in, the, in those doors, they, you know, there are many doors that we still need to open, but the ones that we have managed to open that we ensure that other women go in. We might not particularly have the same uh, interest, but I think women are leaders in, in various um, spaces anyway. It's just that we don't get recognized or paid for being leaders. Having that confidence, I think building that confidence really is a very important thing to, to embed in, in young women and women in general. No matter the age, I think it's also very being aware that sometimes we talk about young women and young girls only, but I think development and leading and, and going forward and, and wanting to achieve more at any age, it, it could mm -hmm. happen. And we should encourage women, regardless of what age they're at, to go for what they want to do. Listening to what you're saying is is really inspiring. And I love this view of flexibility in mindsets and not using age as an excuse to retain an old, outdated mindset that doesn't work, to, to listen to those new voices that allow pathways to change. Um, that it is about having the, having these enabling environments, creating the opportunities, having a, a structured career path. Bringing men into the conversation, especially into a discipline that has been traditionally dominated by men, to allow those doors of opportunities to open for women and for women who are already in those spaces to keep the doors open and encourage more women. It, it doesn't sound like it's a difficult thing to do. No, it doesn't sound like it's a difficult thing to do. And I think it's not, if we are being honest, it's just having a will to do it. I think that's all that is needed. It's not often easy. Uh, sometimes the easiest thing is the most difficult thing to do. Um, but I think if we just have the will to do what we need to do, then we'll have to see more uh, women playing a role in, in other uh, spaces, you know. Um, particularly, I think there's, there's a lot more opportunities that are out there 
um, there are more opportunities um, that we as women can create uh, and become role players in, in them. But I think we can do it being just on the sidelines. If we want to change the status quo, we need to be active in it. Uh, even in a small way, uh, you start where you are. I think it's quite important to know that we start where we are. You might be in high school, you might be a leader at church, you might be involved in one way or the other, but we start where we are to ensure that the change is there. Oh, yes. We can see this as the power of one becoming the power of we. Yes. One question that I ask all my guests on the show is about some of the factors that they feel have contributed to their success. Can you share some of those aspects with us? Um, I think as I was growing up, I had a very strict grandmother and she always said, you must finish what you started. So as I was growing up, there had been many challenges that I faced. I mean, I, I felt pregnant quite young and, you know, those type of things can sometimes derail your, your progress. But I often think about, she said, you must finish what you started. And I think what is also important is why, what is your why? And, and I think, it's quite important that when we go into any space, we forget about the why as doing it for ourselves, but what impact is it going to have in my family, in the society and community that I, that, that I come from is in South Africa in an African context, you know, um, the impact of what I'm doing might be small, but in combination to everybody doing something, it does have a ripple effect to impact change that is positive, uh, not just to myself, but to other people as well. Knowing your why is a really crucial part of, of guidance and sort of our North Star on, on what we're going to achieve or our paths, what's your main why? Um, my main why is if I'm still breathing, it means I can still make a difference. So what difference have I made today? I think that is the most important why every day when I am grateful of, of having the gift of life. So the difference that I make being here today is it going to be a positive one or a negative one so for me i think i'll rather have a positive impact each and every day and each each and every day if it's today i have one positive tomorrow is one positive well end of the year i might have 365 positives so i think for me that is the why that i have but i think also it's it's Generally, from the backgrounds that we come in, from our rural areas, from our families that we have, where you you become hope for your family. And it's also very important that you don't become the only hope, but ensure that there are multiplication of hopes that are there that then you know, change the face of 
my family, if my the face of my family changes, the face of the community I live in changes. And that ripple effect, I think, is, is, is very important. You have a very impactful why and uh, a noble one of making a meaningful difference on a daily basis. Lastly, as we close out today's conversation, can you share a few words of inspiration that you'd like to pass on to women and girls of all ages that are listening to us? Um, I think anything is possible. Um, anywhere you want to go, um, it's possible. And and often they say, if there is no chair for you at the table, bring your own. So I think that's what we need to really uh, think about and, and go for what we, 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 we want to achieve. And for me, I'm saying already, as women, we are already leaders. As women, we are already managers, as women, we are already innovators. We just need to be confident enough or be hungry enough to say we want to be innovators who become billionaires who have a positive change or, you know, who go out there and make a difference and become something um, out of what we want. So, so for all women, I say nothing is impossible. Even the sky is not the limit anymore. So go for what you want to do and achieve it, even maybe surpass it. What a wonderful message. We're already there. We just need to believe it ourselves. Yes, definitely. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure having you on the show and learning about the way that learning some of your perspectives has been so refreshing and inspiring. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed this conversation uh, that we've had today. Thank you so much. You have been listening to Womanity, Woman in Unity, and we have been talking to Dr. Nongkebo Ntombeni, who heads up the Department of Chemical Engineering in the Faculty of Engineering and the Built Environment at the Durban University of Technology.